Hello and welcome to Dr. Joe's Health and Sanity Call. I'm Dr. Joe, a wellness expert and professional speaker who helps busy people stay healthy, sane, and productive. For more information of how I can help you and your organization, visit drjoe.com, D-R-J-O.com. This interview was recorded on March 18th, 2020. Hello, my name is Dr. Joe. For those of you who don't know me, I'm typically out speaking at conferences, but uh, it seems I have a little slow time with all these conferences being canceled. And so I wanted to come to you and uh, share with you some ideas about how to stay healthy, sane, and productive during these trying times. And for those of you who've been with me on these previous calls, I'm doing them every day at one o'clock. Eastern Standard Time, you know that what I'm trying to focus on is all the things that we can do. It's a long list of things we can't do right now, but we're trying to focus on what we can do. And so I invited uh, Kathy Lehman, dietitian. She's a registered dietitian. Also, tell me all your other certifications. I'm also a personal trainer. And my graduate degree is in health psychology. So I'm not a psychologist, but I always work from what I call the three-legged stool of nutrition, fitness, and psychology, I know. Uh, the behavior, behavior change psychology. Yes, 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 yes. And I thought something I read this morning in the Wall Street Journal was about, uh, it was a letter to the editor, and they were talking about how we're entering a new normal. We're not there yet. Right now, we're trying to get used to it. But... Uh, Back about a month ago, I was one of about 5% of U.S. population that was working from home. And now, like, almost everybody's working from home. And, <laughs> That's uh, right. And how do we get into a new normal? So I thought, Kathy, you've reset yourself most recently, as I have as well, and trying to establish this new normal. And so I thought I'd kind of hand the mic over to you and have you share a little bit about how do we set a new normal for us? Okay. Yeah. I I feel like I'm an expert at the new normal. I just, (laughs) I really do. And, and strangely, this is not really throwing me for a loop and just for the people who are viewing, just so they have a sense of the context of that is I'm a breast cancer survivor and I've just reached my five mile milestone. And I will tell you, having gone through that, it's one of the worst things that any woman can imagine happening. I mean, if not the worst thing. And once you go through that, it really shifts the way, the lens through which you see the world and the lens through which you see the way things unfold and happen on a daily basis. So I just by nature am a glass half full kind of girl I am very practical. I'm from the Midwest, stone cold heart of the Midwest, and was raised by very practical parents. And I'm not a someone who's easily ruffled or thrown into an anxiety or depression. I mean, I'm, I'm not minimizing those um, emotions, but that's just not my nature. It takes a lot to rock my world, and my world was rocked. So having come through that, there's. I just think, In comparison, that's kind of my litmus test. There's not much that compares with that in terms of uh, gravity and um, just urgency. 
So I look at what's going on now, and I, again, am not minimizing what we're experiencing as a country or globally at all, but I really feel like finding the new normal and resetting yourself is so dependent on your perspective. There is a lot of talk about physical resilience and mental resilience in the world of, as you know, in corporations and just in the health world where you and I both work. I think this is a time that really will challenge people's resilience in terms of how they manage and how they respond to what's going on around them. And I think that is the key. We can't control what's going on around us at all. We can only control or take charge of ourselves and our immediate environment, pretty much inside our homes. (laughs) Can I interject just one thing? Yeah, of course. Because um, my daughter, has a two-year-old at home. She is at home. She's not in daycare right now. She pulled her out. And, uh, and so I've been spending a lot more time babysitting because of that. And anyway, we were talking about how is this going to impact her? She's not going to school. She's not going to the park. She's not having play dates. And, uh, you know, Allie was kind of a little concerned about how that's going to impact her. And I said, do you remember when the house flooded? So the house flooded when she was four and when she was eight. And I said, how did that impact you? Was, was that a, a big stress? And she said, oh my gosh, no, it was so much fun. And she started sharing all these stories with me. And, and I said, Allie, just to let you know, it was very stressful for me. So this is one, we lived in Houston at the time. The house was, well, it had to be gutted and rebuilt and all that while we're living on upstairs, which is only half the square footage of the downstairs. Everything was piled on top. It was a very stressful time. But the fact that she walked away with thinking that was fun, yeah. okay, means that I did a good job. And yeah. so as you're talking about building resilience to keep us healthy, to keep us sane, I just wanted to interject that. It's also to keep kids at home realizing that they can get through this too and Mm -hmm. they have to get used to a new norm without feeling like this is the worst thing that could ever happen how can we make it a little bit more fun a little bit normal for them as well so what kind of Mm. you got for all of us so just I love that story. And I will say, here is my disclaimer. I don't have any children and there are none in my house behind me. There are none here, <laughs> nor will there be because I don't have any. But I, a couple things I would say to that is, um, and I'm not a child expert, well, but I have okay. been I mean, a child. Still, and I do have an opinion. you do for yourself will still impact the little ones. That's all. Well, right. That's where I'm going with this is a two-year-old really doesn't have the emotional maturity at all to understand what's going on around her. She, she doesn't know. And what I see is adults project their stuff onto their kids. And if you're projecting negativity and the sky is falling and this is the end and, oh my God, it's so stressful, kids pick up on that. <clears throat> They're like animals. Animals and kids are very intuitive of emotion and feeling and just right. sensing what's going on, even mm-hmm. though they don't have that emotional maturity to be able to tell exactly what's happening. And the other thing is, so, so yes, modeling, um, this is fine, you know, we're gonna get through it. Horrible things happen all the time. This is a fact of life. We're, no one promised us a life where there will not be chaos and challenging times. No one promised us that and no one should be promising their children that because that's a recipe for disaster 
going forward. But I also see just in my neighborhood and the community where I live, kids are very structured. They have school, then they have soccer, then they have their musical lessons, then they have their singing lessons, they have everything, their play dates, everything to the wire, and they don't have a lot of downtime. Well, when I grew up, and maybe when you grew up, there was none of that. You went to school, and then you were on your own, and guess what? We figured it out. We used our imagination. We read books. We did puzzles. We colored. We played whatever. You just, and kids don't die of boredom. I'm guaranteeing that. I don't have to have children to know that. They don't die of boredom. Let them be bored. They're bored. You got laundry to fold. You got bathrooms to clean. There is stuff to do. I think this could be. And they'll be innovative in in order to avoid those two things. Absolutely. Then they'll occupy themselves. Then they won't be so bored anymore because they'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do chores. I will figure out something to do. Great. And use your imagination. I think it could be. We've seen kids playing in the yard that we've never even seen in our neighborhood. I think that could be a positive. So like I said, I'm a glass half full kind of girl. So I try to focus on that. But so as adults, whether you have children in the house or not, I really find that the thing that is most grounding for most people is a routine. And we don't have a routine right now. We don't have structure. If you're, if you were working out of an office on Friday and Monday morning, you wake up in your pajamas at nine o'clock going, I don't know what's going on. You need structure. So you've got to have that self-discipline to put structure in place. And I'm finding that when people can structure, get up about the same time you normally do, maybe have a little more leeway with that. I have a little more leeway. I can get up a little bit later, but I'm not sleeping till noon. That would be the death, right? So get up at the same time, do your same morning routine. I say, get your workout in. You've got to move your body every day. Have a healthy breakfast, take a shower, get dressed, put on makeup if you wear makeup. If you don't, don't, but at least take a shower. Don't work in your jammies. Schedule lunch, schedule a break, schedule dinner, plan dinner. You know, you you can't run out to a restaurant. You can't run out and grab a coffee. So you've got to maybe do a little more planning around those things than you do typically. That's not all bad. I mean, you know, getting something, even if you don't cook, even you just assemble something prepared at home for snacks and meals, that can be helpful. Because I'm hearing a lot of people telling me they're eating out of stress and they're eating out of boredom. And that's a challenge. You know, you're home with your kitchen when normally you're not. You've got other eyeballs on you at the office. You know, if there's a box of Girl Scout cookies in the break room and you have all your coworkers, you're not gonna eat the whole sleeve of cookies. You might take one. But if you're home with a box of Girl Scout cookies and you're freaking out and you're a stress eater, that Girl Scout sleeve of cookies is looking pretty good sitting right next to your laptop. So I would say try to keep structure and try to put some parameters around mealtime, snack time, get as much exercise and movement as you can, get some fresh air if you can, and um, just stick, stick to a routine if that's possible. So that let me ask sense? you about that, that emotional eating that some yeah. of us can fall victim to, right? Oh, yeah. Especially when we don't... One, we don't have the structure. And, and secondly, we have a whole lot more emotions going on. Mm-hmm. So um, do you have some advice for people that are dealing with emotional eating more than ever before? Yeah, for sure. One of the, the main thing that drives emotional eating is trying to use the eating to do something with those negative emotions, to either avoid them, distract from them, squash them, stuff them, buffer them, whatever the word is that comes up, it's different for everyone, but the end result is the same. You don't wanna feel what you're feeling. And food is cheap, 
it's readily available. Now it's maybe a little more hard to come by because of the grocery shopping situation, but I mean, we'd have food very easily accessible and it's legal. And so it is a drug of choice for a lot of people to use to numb and, and try to counter the world that's happening around them and those feelings. And the number one recommendation is just to feel the feelings. You know, negative feelings as well as positive feelings are fair game. We're human beings. We, sh we feel each of them on a daily basis. Someday we may have more positive. Someday we may have more negative. The feelings are only feelings. They, they won't kill us. They come and go. And so being able to surf those feelings or sit with that negative feeling, I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not minimizing the challenge that can be for some people. But allowing yourself just to be human and feel that. And if you can, it's almost like if you can step outside of those that negative thought pattern, maybe you're cycling in your mind with anxiety or fear, two things that are not helpful. And they're just your brain's way of protecting you. I mean, that's our brain's natural instinct is to protect us. So it senses fear, senses danger, and it goes into overdrive. And if, when your body responds with feeling of emotion, feeling what it, maybe your heart's racing, maybe your stomach is upset, maybe you're clenched and tight and stressed, you know, you're feeling stressed in your body, you've got to release that. So you can sit and let it just release itself and work its way through you and just let it be and let it move through you, sit with that you know, feeling and surf it, or you try to, you know, stop it and stopping right. it, it's going to come out somewhere. No, you know, one of the exercises that I do is once you talked about these bodily signals, understanding we feel it differently. Some of us mm -hmm. feel it in our gut, some of us feel it in our throat, some of us feel it in our head or our back. When you start feeling that, you know some of, there's emotions behind it. I think it really helps to try to identify those emotions other than I'm mad. Because mm -hmm. mad isn't an emotion. Am I feeling uh, overwhelmed? Am I feeling insecure? Am I feeling uh, fearful of the future? I mean, just to kind of identify it a little bit. So, I mean, that's kind of what I do is try to sit with it and try to figure out what exactly am I feeling? Because the solutions would be different depending on how you're feeling, right? Yeah, and you're talking about name it to tame it is what you're doing. Name it to tame it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. if you can name it and, and, and look at it from a, almost an intellectual perspective, take yourself out of that emotional space and say, this is, I'm nervous. I'm nervous that we're not gonna have food or that the grocery store is gonna run out of food. Okay, is that a legitimate concern? I, maybe they run out at the end of the day. Will they run out completely? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's, it's really challenging naming it, taming it by the reality of challenging it for is it truth or not. And as you said, everyone feels it differently in their body. And I find that, you know, you, you get into the habit of using these behaviors to help yourself not feel because somewhere along the line, you learned it's not okay to feel negative things. You know, when we're happy, we don't walk around going, I am so hard trying not to feel happy. We don't do that. We just let it be. But if we're feeling anything that feels uncomfortable, we try to do something with it. We try to wrestle it into submission. And that's where we, we go off track is let your body feel the negative emotion. It's just as much a part of being human as feeling positive emotion. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not dangerous. It's, it doesn't make you a, a less a person because you have strong negative emotions. Everyone has different levels of how they feel things. So, you know, some people are very 
emotionally driven about pretty much everything. They're a walking emotional person and that's okay. That's just the way they are. Yeah. So being able to learn how to manage it, it's really I key. love that. Name it. That's Name it to tame it. Yes. And um, I, I don't know if you were on yesterday's call, Kathy, but I was talking about, I had watched Tom Hanks in uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood where he <sighs> played Mr. Rogers. And the reporter that was talking to Mr. Rogers, you know, Tom Hanks' character, was asking, do you ever get upset? Do you ever get angry? Do you ever want to punch somebody? And yeah, he said, yes, I do. And, and he said, what do you do? And he said, well, I, I pound on dough or, or clay, or I go to the keyboard to the very low keys and go boom, 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 You know, like, whatever. That's feeling it as well. You could, mm -hmm. I like to journal about it, just, mm -hmm. especially when you don't want to, bring everybody else down around you, or maybe you're thinking, I, I don't wanna be talking negative to the kids. I don't wanna be talking negative to uh, another loved one because maybe they have other issues that are going on. So, you know. Well, and to your point, yeah, it's how to, how to manage it. And, and there are lots, journaling is great. I'm a huge fan of physical activity, dancing, um, I danced a lot through my diagnosis and treatment because I moving my body feels good to me always. And rhythm is predictable. There, you, there's music therapy for a reason. Um, you know, the rhythm in any music is a predictable thing you can count on. And if you are a music or a dance fan, you know, it's almost like your body takes over without needing to think. And it's just a constant predictable Rhythm is that's the only way I can explain it. And so we know that music and movement have a really positive impact on emotion and the way the brain is processing. So whatever I like to run, I ran this morning. <laughs> I ran extra Good. just because, you know, I feel like I'm running a little extra these days. I love to go to the weight room. My gym is closed, but I have a workout space in my basement with equipment that I use. And that is critical piece to every single day for me. And Another thing I'd just like to point out, you said you maybe don't want to be negative in front of the kids. I think it's so important to teach children that it's okay to have those negative feelings. Yeah. And no one walks around Pollyannish, 100% happy and fine all the time. You know, people, some people are more positive than others. That's just natural, you know, the way we're put together. But to teach children, especially little girls, that it's okay to be negative and angry and intentional and emotional and strong in their, you know, their emotions. That's okay. It's okay. Maybe you have a group family session where you're like, we're all going to punch pillows. We're all going to scream in pillows. Yeah. Just, I mean, it can be therapeutic and it shows it normalizes it rather than trying to hide it. So I think that's part of it too. Wonderful. Good. Good point. All right. Well, I just, I want to thank you, Kathy, for showing up today. And you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope we can talk again soon. Yes, for sure. All this right. was so fun. Thank you, Joe. Talk soon. Bye. If you enjoyed today's health and sanity call, please subscribe to the channel and share it with others. For more information about how I can help you and your organization, visit drjoe.com. That's just four letters, drjo.com.